Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Welcome to your source for employer intelligence in just seven minutes every Tuesday and Thursday. My name is Thomas Rock Lindsay, and as your ally and employer brainiac, I'm here to help you thrive in your role as an employer. Would you like to learn the three steps for calculating taxable wages for each federal payroll tax type? Sounds exciting. How about a quick but simple lesson on how money is created? We're going to rock these topics today on Small Biz Brainiac. This is the second episode in a six-part series on federal payroll taxes, so if you haven't already listened to episode five, I suggest you go back, listen to that one first, and then follow along in sequence as these are published. That way they'll make the most sense to you. Now, today, we'll learn what wages are subject to each tax type. In other words, what is the tax basis? Now, basis generally includes all payments for services performed regardless of the form that they take or what you call them. But before we get more specific, we need to sort out a few terms that get used like payments, wages, compensation, and earnings. So the IRS generally refers to wages as cash payments and compensation as non-cash payments. They actually only use the word earnings six times between the two main employer tax publications. So I'm not going to use that term, but I wanted you to know why, because it seems like the most logical word to use. Now, the employer tax guides are 140 pages long, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, because among these pages are a plethora of references to links and notices, uh, rulings, and other publications, including statutes. Now, the two main employer tax guides are Publication 15, called Circular E, Employer's Tax Guide, and Publication 15A, called Employer's Supplemental Tax Guide. And in typical government fashion, the IRS has uh, repeatedly piled one regulation on top of the other until the level of complexity has become ridiculous. But the first step to arrive at the correct basis is to determine which payments are taxable. There are several special rules for various types of employees. So, for example, special rules apply to earnings of alien workers, government employees, salespersons, just to name a few. There are also special rules for for certain uh, types of payments, such as achievement awards or scholarships, golden parachute payments, interest-free or below-market-rate loans, and the list goes on and on. So in step one, you first have to know what you're paying and know which ones are subject to tax and which ones are exempt. The second step is to subtract the deductions that reduce the taxable basis. So for example, premium deductions for a qualified group health insurance plan taken through a cafeteria plan reduce the taxable wages for all federal payroll taxes while an employee's payroll deduction for an employer-sponsored 401k plan, for example, reduces only the federal income tax basis. And the third step is to apply the wage limits. Now, Social Security and Federal Unemployment Tax, or FUTA, have a wage base limit. So in other words, for these two taxes, the tax is only assessed on wages up to the limit set by the IRS and the Social Security Administration. 
For Social Security, that taxable wage base is $118,500 in 2016. Now, the SSA calls this a wage-indexed amount. In other words, the wage limit goes up every year with changes in the national average wage index. However, and shockingly so, the SSA did not increase the limit in 2016, and it's only the third time since 1972 that the limit didn't go up over the previous year. The taxable wage base for FUDA is the first 7,000 of each employee's earnings, but there are special classes of employment and special classes of earnings that are exempt from FUDA. So, for example, children employed by their parents or even spouses employed by their spouse. And these aren't uncommon situations in a small business, so it's important that you're aware of that. The other two tax types, federal income tax and Medicare, don't have wage limits. But it wasn't always that way for Medicare. In fact, until 1994, the Medicare wage was the same as the Social Security wage limit. Now, as you can see, it's possible to have a different basis for each tax type in a single pay period. Obviously, this is where payroll software comes in handy. A good system set up correctly is going to take care of all these calculations. The challenge is making sure that it's set up correctly. There are some common wage scenarios where you could be paying taxes when you don't have to, so it's a good idea to review some recent payroll history to make sure your system or your service provider are processing it uh, correctly. Now, without payroll software, paying employees would be unmanageable, especially when you add state and local payroll taxes to the mix. The tax engine that uh, my payroll software uses is 1,286 pages long. So it takes 1,286 pages to explain what the tax engine is doing. Now, making employers responsible for the collection and payment of taxes was, in my opinion, a sinister maneuver. It was designed to accelerate and improve collection, and it shifts a portion of the Social Security tax to the employer. You know, making employers responsible along with the technology improvements over the past 30 years, are what have allowed this incredibly complicated payroll tax scheme to exist. By shifting compliance to the employer, the government has blurred the taxpayer's vision and it creates friction between the employees and the employers. It increases costs and it decreases take-home pay. Now what's even more maddening is that despite the massive tax, fee, and penalty revenues that the federal government takes in, they still can't live within their means. They have to supplement their revenue by borrowing. And when there aren't enough suckers left to lend you money, then you have to create it. Now here's how they do that. The government creates a bond and gives it to the treasury. Now this represents debt that must be paid back with future taxes, taxes that will have to be extracted from you, me, and our children. So now the treasury has an IOU, a bond, and they sell that to the banks. But since the banks don't have enough buyers for that instrument, because there aren't enough suckers left in the world to buy them, the banks sell the bonds to the Federal Reserve at a profit. But the Federal Reserve doesn't have the money to buy the bonds, so they create new currency and use that to pay the banks. It's simply magical and seemingly without consequences. Well, there you have it. Let's recap. I know this is confusing, but the important takeaways are these. Not all wages are subject to all tax types, and certain payroll deductions reduce the tax basis. 
Social Security and FUDA have caps on the amount of wages that are subject to these taxes, while Medicare and federal income tax do not. Now, in the next four parts of this series, we're going to cover what are the tax rates, how are the taxes paid and reported, what should you do if you can't pay, and what are the types of penalties you can incur. Meanwhile, check out the website for show notes and links to some resources. And remember, if you have any questions about employer-related issues, go to smallbizbrainiac.com and email me and I'll respond in 12 hours or less. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac.